With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Good morning and welcome to Morning Java. Brought to you as always by Get Go Cafe and Market, where as always they've got the fresh sandwiches, the fresh drinks, and the curbside pickup option. It's a great thing to get. You can also get some delivery set up on DoorDash and things like that. But Get Go has all your needs to refill during the day, during the night, at all times. I'm here with Tom Reed. I'm Chris Carter. Uh, Tom, I see you enjoying yourself some fresh things over there as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this, this, <laughs> this is from the Rooney Collection. There you go. <laughs> there you go, my man. Let's talk about the top news of the day because it's obviously the Browns outbreak is continuing. Uh, they unfortunately they put they had Kevin Stefanski, the head coach. He went on the COVID, the team's COVID list for testing positive. Joel Batonio, uh, the, the starting left guard and Pro Bowl left guard for them on, on the COVID list as well for testing positive. They also lose another receiver. I think it was Kaderil Hodges and then two more coaches. This is getting a little alarming for the Browns because now this is the third straight game where they're going to have have multiple players testing positive in the middle of the week or, or being close contacts and having to miss a game because of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the worst case scenario for the Browns. And in some ways it's one of the things that the league kind of dreaded the, you know, because there's just no more wiggle room. There's, there's no, nowhere they can go. I know there's people in Cleveland that were thinking, you know, why can't they maybe postpone this? No, no, this is, that's not going to happen. Especially when you consider uh, the rule is if, if you are, are positive with COVID. If you test positive, it's a minimum of 10 days. The league can't wait 10 days uh, in the playoffs. There's just no way that they're going to push the whole campaign back uh, for this one game. So they're going to they're going to play unless there is a major situation where it's day after day after day of COVID. And this this broke on yesterday, Tuesday. So you know there. I guess there is a chance. If there continues to be an outbreak, they would maybe push it back a day or two, but they're not going to be getting those players back and the coaches back for that game. That's just not going to happen. And, you know, it, it takes a team that was already an underdog coming into this game, first playoff appearance since the 2002 season, and really, really puts them in a difficult situation. And one other thing that we should mention, you, you, you had uh, alluded to earlier, this has been a problem for them for weeks. Don't forget their best defensive player, Miles Garrett is still struggling. He is still struggling uh, with the after effects of COVID. Uh, you know, has had to see a breathing specialist, and I think fans could, has saw it last week how he has not been he has not been very effective over the last couple games, and he really didn't do a whole lot in the game against Pittsburgh. And from the injury standpoint, his running mate. Olivier Vernon, who who was doing really well, he's out with a ruptured Achilles. Yep. So the Browns are really coming to this game shorthanded. 
Yeah, it's a rough situation um, because, you know, in, in all this, you're like, OK, well, you lose Olivier Vernon. Well, maybe you could at least get some because Denzel Ward's coming back and then you get, you know, then but then you lose your, your head coach and he's your play caller. Now, Alex Van Pelt's got to call the plays. And then Joel Batonio, you know, losing your best piece on your offensive line a- after a game where you didn't have to face Cam Hayward or T.J. Watt and you still let Baker Mayfield get sacked four times. And you need the ground game to really help you this week with those guys coming back. What do you think is the biggest impact of those losses? Who who do you, you know, do you look at the head coach and you think that's the big thing because of his presence and how he's helped the teams get get on get get back on a, or get on a straight path. I can't say back on a straight path because they've never been on one. But um, you know, you is it the coach or is it Batonio or what do you think is the is the biggest thing that's going to hurt them right now? It's it's the coach and it's Batonio from from, a, from obviously from a from a standpoint of of who's calling the game, it's going to be the coach because uh, he he can't he can he cannot have any influence of the game. You remember years ago, uh, Ray Farmer, the former Browns general manager, kind of ruined it for everybody by text messaging uh, Mike Pettin on the sidelines, and he, he, <laughs> got, he got slapped pretty good for that. Uh, so there won't be any communication there. Uh, he can help during the course of the during the course of the week. You know, he'll be involved in all of the run up to the game. So you know. Up until they kick off, he'll be able to help them through the game plan. But Alex Van Pelt's going to have to call the plays. From the player standpoint, no question, uh, the biggest loss is going to be Joel Batonio. Uh, Pro Bowl, left guard, and, you know, again, I covered this team for years, the Browns. And, for, and while I'm not a Browns fan, I'm certainly a Joel Batonio fan, a guy who was part of those teams that went 1-31 in yeah. the course of, of two year two-year stretch before they got Baker Mayfield. And – one of the nicest, most professional people that you would ever deal with and a very good player. And it's really hard to see him miss a game like this that he's waited his entire career to play in. So uh, they're going to be up against it Sunday night. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So on the flip side, the Steelers got some good news on Tuesday that both Matt Filer and Robert Spillane are expected to practice this week and potentially even to play. Tom, this is a weird situation that we've seen before with 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 injuries and both guys are coming off IR. But you've covered the NFL for the for a long time. What's usually the feel when you get back role players like these guys? Because neither Filer nor Spillane are stars, but. Right they're guys that still contribute to the overall mix and chemistry of what the Steelers have done this season. And for Filer, Kevin Dotson, a lot of people are grading him very high. I think he's played better than Matt Filer at left guard this season. Um, And for Spillane, they've gotten used to Vince Williams and Avery Williamson, but you obviously miss his presence in where it comes in covering running backs out of the backfield. Where do you see the Steelers using these guys? Do they plug them right back in like it was back in the middle of the season? Or do you think that there's a little bit of mixing up here that Mike Tomlin and the personnel do? Yeah, I think the, I think the, the latter. I think they kind of mix guys in. Uh, again, I, I don't know that they'll have to make a decision on the guard play and what they decide to do there. But it just it gives you options. And we're just talking right. a lot about the Browns. They're losing options. 
I mean, they do not. The Browns are really in trouble on with their left guard. They're, they're in trouble with their guard situation. Don't, you know, they, they've lost other guys. They, they are really scraping the bottom of the barrel in, in the guard situation where this is just the opposite. You're getting guys back that you know can contribute. Plus, if you have injuries in the game, you can plug Filer in if you're not going to start him. And, and with Spillane, it's just, again, another guy that, that, that has played in there, that knows the system, that can play certain downs. You know, we've seen the, the, the Steelers having to use a lot of, like, defensive backs sometimes as linebackers in this stretch where they were down guys. So it just gives it just gives Keith Butler more options, and that's always a good situation. Maybe Spillane plays six or seven plays, but if, if they can get him in where he, he, you know, as you mentioned, to use him to his strengths in certain downs, that's only going to help the Steelers. Yeah, I, I look at this as a chance for the, the linebackers to, one, give guys breathers more, but also to mix things up more. Because, like you said, having to bring in Marcus Allen, and then when Marcus Allen gets hurt, who do you bring in for him there uh, to, to help as the box linebacker on third down packages? Spillane wasn't the guy that filled the run, but he was the guy who could fill a hole if it was one-on-one -on -one with him and a running back. But, it, you know, when he got blocked, that was the issue. But he was especially good when he could drop back into a zone, he was very comfortable in doing that and finding r r running backs and plastering them coming out of, coming out of the backfield. That's what they've missed. They don't, Avery Williamson doesn't do that. Well, Vince Williams doesn't do that. Well, he does. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that that could be a mix and a flavor that's brought back to the defense. That certainly helps. But Matt Filer, Matt Filer is the real question here because sure he's a starter, but Kevin Dotson's played like a starter. And I feel like it's tough to take the hot hand off the kid, especially when with the way he's helped you both in protection and in the ground game. Matt Filer, on the other hand, you could pl plug him at either tackle. If someone goes down at either guard position, he fills in. I feel like you I feel like you gotta let Dotson start and make Matt Filer be that guy who, hey, you know, just be ready because we could need you at all any point along the line. Yeah, and of course the difference in in the in the two guys that we're talking about. Yeah, with the defense, there's, those are rotational players, right? You give guys spells. With the offense, it's 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 five starters. You don't really want to be rotating guys nope. unless you have to. So I think that 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 they'll be comfortable either way. And and it'll be interesting to see, uh, like you said, Dotson's played pretty well. Uh, I would assume that that's the way that they go. Uh, we'll see. We have a couple more days, and who knows? Hopefully, no more COVID stories. But, um, yeah, he's, he's a good utility guy. And whereas Spillane, as you mentioned, is, is good, uh, they can, again, plug him in on plays where they think that there may be passing. And let's, let's be honest, uh, the Browns, uh, especially with Kareem Hunt, who's very good catching balls out of the backfield, that may be Spillane may be an option to, on some plays to, to maybe try to play him there. You know, we ha he's had an interception. He's had a couple of nice pass breakups uh, on plays over the middle. So, Again, it's just another tool in the tool shed uh, for Keith Butler. So, Tom, it's still just the middle of the week. We still don't know who all might miss this game because there may be more people added to the list. But there still has to be general game plans out there where both teams are looking at it and says, I don't care who's out there for them or who's out there for us, but you got to get this done. And th these things have to happen. I wanted to hear from you. Again, you've covered the Browns. You're, you're, you're with us at DK Pittsburgh Sports. There's If one thing has to happen for either team to win this game, what are those things that you're looking to see from either team? Because for me, there's a lot of things the Browns have to do. If the, if the Steelers are 
who they were at the earlier part of this season, I'm not sure that there's much the Browns can do to, to, to outplay them with the players that they've got available. Well, the Browns, this, one of the strengths that the Browns have had this year in running up, uh, was it 10 wins? 10, 10 11 yep. wins. 11 wins. Uh, is they've been great front runners. They've played a majority of the season ahead. And when you think back to that game against Pittsburgh, uh, in, in Pittsburgh the first time, the game was over in 10 minutes. Uh, the Browns made mistakes early in the game. As they think of the Mika Fitzpatrick pick six. They have to avoid those calamitous mistakes. And on the flip side of it for the Browns, they've got to try to create that. If, there's a ch- if there is a window that they can get into this game, uh, the Browns played a game a little bit later in the season when they went down to Tennessee, and Tennessee was going pretty good at the time. And you were thinking, this is going to be a really tough game for the Browns. Well, they forced a couple of turnovers early in the game and built a lead and were able to hang on. Uh, that, to me, is is really their their best chance of pulling off the upset, is, is forcing some turnovers early in the game, getting a lead, and then seeing if the Steelers you know, have enough to, uh, to come back in a game. I think if the Browns get behind in this game, it, it, could, could, it could get ugly. Now, they did come back against the Ravens a couple of weeks ago, but the Ravens were still kind of going through their, remember their COVID issues. Uh, so I think that from the, from the Browns standpoint, they have to force turnovers from the Steelers standpoint. I think you try to pick up from what happened at the end of the Colts game where you're starting to drive the ball downfield. And we saw it last week, right? Even though it wasn't Ben Roethlisberger, you saw Mason Rudolph getting the ball on the outside, outside of the, outside of the numbers, uh, guys in one-on-one situations that brown secondary isn't very good now they may they may get denzel ward back which would be a huge bonus but still you have those big steelers receivers on the outside and deontay johnson but drive the ball down the field and force them to defend because that is not the strength of the browns they're back seven probably the worst in these playoffs and and they know it that that, that's something they're going to have to to fix here in the offseason but you got to take advantage of that. that. That, to me, is the weakness of that team. Probably the whole team is, is that secondary and that, that, that back seven or back six or whatever you want to call it. Uh, attack it. Uh, you, you started to make strides in the Baltimore game, and you saw that it worked against the Browns, uh, even with the kind of the B group. So, uh, to me, that's where the Steelers want to go. Yeah, to me, that's that's the bottom line. This has to be the passing game that opens everything up for the Steelers. Ben Roethlisberger has to strike through the heart of this defense. I did a whole Carter's classroom on it that was on the Very website. Good. Yeah, thank you. And, and my point is, when they go too deep, they're leaving people underneath, and they don't have the guys underneath. Mac Wilson, uh, was it uh, Jacob Phillips? You know, whoever they've got yeah. working underneath, they're not. You're not looking at Deion Jones. You're not looking at Miles Jack. You're not looking at Devin Bush. You're not looking at Bobby Wagner. You, you know, these aren't athletes that that you, that you got to fear. If they if they back off, you take the take advantage of it. If they drop people down to help them, you rip the you rip their heads off over the top. It's going to be up to Ben to do that. If he does that. I, and, and he puts them on their toes, and then you, they can't just sit on one thing or the other. I think that opens up the underneath passing game. I think it opens up the ground game and allows Connor to get comfortable. And on the on the flip side, like you said, the Browns have been front runners. If you force them to have to be the team that comes back, then they're going to start to make more mistakes, 
and then you win that turnover battle. And, you know, I think with TJ Watt coming in fresh and you're going to have Cam Hayward back off a, off a week's rest, you might get, you know, Mike Hilton blitzing a little bit more and causing some havoc. You get those turnovers and you, and then again, the offense is putting up points. I think you put out, you, you strike a, a, a team like the Browns who probably could come into this. Like you said, they got house money. But at the same time, you put doubt in their minds early in this game. It can be a lot of – I can see this team kind of being like, well, we made it this far, um, and it setting in early and it making it even tougher for them to find answers through the middle and later parts of this game. Yeah, and to connect our first and third segments, uh, you know, with Miles Garrett not playing well and with Olivier Vernon not playing at all, uh, they're going to – I think they'll have the difficulty really getting a pass rush going, which just – again, gives you more reason to let Ben take a little bit more time to look downfield and make those plays. 